0: Breeding costs. Do you really have a good grasp on what yours are? Number one, you need to know what it
1: costs just to use natural service.
0: Andrew Griffith, livestock economist with the University of Tennessee, is my guest today as we work through the cost benefit analysis of timed AIing and natural service.
1: This isn't a do this or don't do this. It's a you need to evaluate the resources you have and allocate those resources to their highest value. We'll
0: discuss the strengths and the weaknesses of each of these methods beyond just what you and I already know, but the economics as well and how that ties in with the costs associated with each respective method, as well as the size of your cow herd. And at the end of the day, it all really comes down to what your marketing goal is. The cost and benefits of timed AI and natural service on this episode of The Working Ranch Radio Show. And we welcome you here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills coming to you all the way from the northeast corner of the Cowboy State of Wyoming and we're glad to have you joining us on our program today. If this is your first time tuning in to the Working Ranch Radio show, I would encourage you to stay with us through the entire show and also check out our podcast site at workingranchradio.com. We have a a lot of topics on there that are extremely relevant to many of us in the cattle business. I'm a rancher here in Northeast Wyoming, and uh, (laughs) I've told people I said I kind of take advantage of the show sometimes because when I'm having questions or I have an idea about uh, uh, something that I'm wondering about, well, I usually just try to to find somebody that kind of specializes in it and uh, not only do i get my questions answered but i also can share that with you folks as well by the way if you hear something on the show and you like it let us know either uh, click like on the program or however you're listening to it if you're listening through the podcast site there's ways you can do that uh, if you want to send me an email and let me know uh, maybe you didn't like something as well let me know or you have questions my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. So with that, our subject today is on the cost benefit analysis of timed AIing and natural service in beef cattle. And I really think that this is a cost for a lot of us that we just kind of maybe get swept under the rug in terms of really analyzing it and I think today's show is going to shed some light on some of these costs. My guest is Andrew Griffith. He's an associate professor uh, in agriculture and research ec- economics at the University of Tennessee. His focus there on livestock economics and he was part of a, a group of uh, folks that put together a white paper on looking at this and I think thought it was really valid I realize this time of the year there's folks probably already uh, have, have bulls out or already AIing and folks not quite there yet but nevertheless it is a subject that I think does uh, require us to maybe spend some time analyzing a little bit and really understanding why we're doing what we're doing and and putting it all together if you're a profit-minded standpoint of looking at this uh, you're gonna look at some of the information that we have here today and find a lot of value in it and I think in the in the end of it, just really understanding what we're doing and why we're doing it is is the basis of where this is coming down to when it comes to our breeding. And there's a lot of factors that are involved in that to understand that. And we're going to talk about it all today on our program. When we look at the cost benefit analysis of timed AIing and natural service in beef cattle. Well, I do want to thank our sponsors here today. Allflex cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. So you can tie now your visual tag, your EID tag, and the genetic data to one management number with the all flex match sets you can find out more by going to their website at allflexusa.com and inherent select from Zoetis, providing commercial cow calf producers with genetic insights to make replacement female selection and breeding decisions you can find out more by going to the website at inherent progress.com and mls tubs don't gamble with breeding season this year mls tubs are a sure bet you can learn more about mls tubs at their website mlstubs.com well let's check in now with the captain tim o'burn he is publisher and editor of working ranch magazine for this week's edition of tim's two cents
2: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Justin, you know I'm not a sensationalist journalist. Uh, We keep her between the lines pretty much here at Working Ranch Magazine podcast and all the other stuff that we have on offer. But I'm telling you what, I'm getting a little bit concerned with the Bureau of Land Management lately. Now, we talked about what they were doing up in Montana uh, with no stakeholder involvement. And now I get this from the New Mexico Cattle Growers Association, um, and they're pretty concerned, too. This is what they've got to say. This is by Michelle Frost Maynard with NMCGA. The BLM opened a comment period on April 3rd, 2023, for conservation and landscape health. The rule Proposes significant and concerning changes to the agency's authority under the Federal Land Management and Policy Act. The proposal was developed, get this, with no stakeholder involvement or awareness. All right. So BLM administers 13.5 million acres in New Mexico. It operates two national monuments, two national conservation areas, five wilderness areas, 58 wilderness study areas. And it goes on and on and on. So the so New Mexico uh, cattle growers is very concerned about this. Montana is very concerned about what they're doing up there. And I'm pretty serious, guys. I see smoke. I'm smelling it and we better keep an eye on what these guys are up to or they're going to sneak in the back door when everybody's out there haying and turning cows out and turning bulls out. And before we know it, um, it's not going to be what we want it to be. That's my two cents. I want you folks to go after it.
0: All right. Thanks, Captain. And it just seems like, uh, unfortunately, in our society today, just we continue to see a lot of overreach in, in things like this. And you hate to see that just become a precedence and something to happen because sometimes it's really hard to turn back the wheels on things like this. So keep your eyes and ears open to what's going on and be proactive in, in what we do here in our ranching industry to protect our industry. Well, switching subjects here just a bit, but you know, one of the hottest technologies that folks and ranchers like myself are utilizing here today in our industry is remote water monitoring systems. These are huge when it comes to labor time savings. And the system I use is from Tank Tote. Uh, it's, it basically allows us, we, we use one to monitor a cistern tank so that we know what the status is of that tank. It's about a 35,000 gallon tank. And we need to we need to know if we got to float off somewhere, we need to know before we run all that water out uh, somewhere on the the ground. And so my remote water monitoring systems from Tankto do just that. I get a daily report uh, either, and you can program those reports when and how you want them to come. Or if I want to know at that given time, I just type into my cell phone uh, text and I get uh, information back. It tells me what the status level is of that tank. Huge savings for us here. Uh, they've got everything from Well controllers, generators, a lot of your remote water monitoring needs, you can monitor cistern tanks, you can monitor an individual a water tank for cattle. They've got satellite units or cellular units. I have one of each. They can run year round and they are solar powered. Now, if you want to find out more, you can go to their website at tanktoad.com. Metal Arc Solutions is the company. They are a USA company. And if you want to find out more about all of their water monitoring, remote water monitoring solutions, you can give them a call. 801-252-6135 is their number. Again, that's 801- 252-6135 or their website is tanktoad.com check it out your remote water monitoring systems from Tank Toad it's what we use here on the X-Ring and by the way let them know you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show well stay with us coming up next we're going to get into our featured topic today looking at the cost-benefit analysis of timed AIing and natural breeding we'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this Now let's hear what Two Rivers, Land and Cattle of Miami County, Kansas, has to say about MLS tubs.
3: MLS number one tubs have given my operation a big boost. We had over 50% of our cows serviced in the first 21 days, and 93% of our heifers bred in 60 days this past year. The tub's release rate is consistent and convenient for our cattle row crop operation. We made a good decision switching to MLS. Don't gamble with breeding season. MLS
0: tubs are a sure bet. Learn more about MLS tubs at MLStubs.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head into our featured interview here today, uh, a subject that really for all of us uh, in the cattle business, especially if you're raising a cow-calf type business, well, we all have to breed these cattle and get them bred some way, somehow, whether we're using bulls or whether we're using AIing. And today, as we talk about the cost benefits analysis between those two types of getting cattle bred, as you, if you have listened to my show over the last couple of years, you know that I'm pretty pointed about the fact that uh, that we put a pencil to what we're doing, even if it's sometimes some of the mundane things or things that we do year over year, but are we putting a pencil to it to know that uh, is it making sense, not only common sense, but also dollars into our pocket? Or are we putting some money into some things just because that's what we want to do and we're really not getting paid for it? Well, when it comes to breeding cattle, it really is no different than that. So today we're going to be talking about natural service versus AIing and look at the cost benefit analysis between those two techniques. So, my guest today joining us is Andrew Griffith. He's an associate professor of agriculture and research economics at the University of Tennessee. His focus there at the University of Tennessee is on livestock economics and Andrew, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio show appreciate you having me. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you joining us here on a program today. I I ran across this white paper that you and several other folks had put out a few years ago regarding the cost-benefit analysis of timed AIing and natural breeding or a combination thereof. And I thought it really had a lot of good information in it that uh, even though, you know, this is a subject for a lot of us in the cow business, as I said just a few moments ago, if we're in the cow-calf business, the breeding's part of that, part of the process. And so uh, I think, it's important that we i feel that we understand what is our cost in breeding uh, a lot of times we buy bulls or we ai or or whatever and we really don't we just do that because that's what we've done but not really analyzing it from from the standpoint that you guys had in this paper and so uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty details of it just outline the basics of where you were coming from as you guys put this paper together
1: well our, our big view uh from the from the standpoint of both animal science and economics was we've seen more and more uh advancements in in artificial insemination and and as we see a lot of these genetics moving towards carcass quality characteristics but then at the same time trying to balance uh some heifer uh replacement heifer characteristics we recognize that that from the from that standpoint, there's you know there's a lot of producers that that we work with that that could benefit from what what I w- want to call superior genetics, but you know genetics that they probably couldn't afford to buy the bull. And, and at the same time, is there you know are there things that we could use from a, a cost saving structure with these technologies in AI? So from that broad spectrum, we were trying to figure out how can we improve quality of animals on in our herd, and hopefully at the same time. Uh, improve that profitability uh, in in cattle herds with the people that we work with.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So the study was basically you took the idea of AIing, which has been a technology been around for quite a while, versus natural service breeding. And as you said just a little bit ago, some of the I mean, pointing at the ideas that for AIing there was some advantages there of access to a little bit more superior genetics in this. And so as you initially started this this process out, this whole study out, you began to compare these two together. Is that correct?
1: Correct, correct. Yeah. So, you know, we, we look at it and we say, well, most people are using natural service and And that's been typical. And, like you say, you know AI has been around for a long time. Timed AI has been around for a, for a while. Uh, we've We've made improvements in some of those protocols for timed AI, uh, you know, to reduce the labor cost of of getting cows bred. And you know when we when we get right down to it, you know we we start thinking about this, well, you know how much does it cost to just breed animals' natural service and versus how much does it cost to to use to use a timed AI? situation, you know, and, and the thing about timed AI is there is a, a large labor cost from the standpoint of you have to run these animals through the chute three times. You know, you're gonna go in and put a cedar in and give them a shot of GNRH and then come back through, pull the cedar, give them a shot of prostaglandin, and then uh, you know, and then you're gonna come back and breed them a third uh the third time through you're gonna breed them and give them another shot. And so, you know, we're we're looking at it and we're saying, well, what's what's the cost of natural service? What's the cost of this timed AI? And at the same time, we say, well, you know, but why are we doing the timed AI? Because we have these better genetics. Uh, you know, that should increase our our revenue to some degree. So, you know, when we get when we got down to it, we're we're looking at increased cost from increased labor and then plus purchasing things to artificially inseminate. But at the same time, you know, we're we're expecting to increase our revenue. And in ho- and in some cases, if we can reduce the bull battery that we need out there with that herd we can reduce some of those costs. Now, at the same time, when you reduce that bull battery, we're looking at reducing our revenue because then you don't have a, you know, the thing about purchasing a bull at some point when he's when he's done servicing animals and he's used up his useful life, you do get to sell him and, and get some type of residual value there, salvage value, whereas, with artificial insemination, you don't have that opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's jump into this uh, and, and get some baseline data here. I think we need to set the table, so to speak, uh, with this, because when it comes to breeding cattle, whether you're say AIing or whether you're natural service, there are some factors, there are some uh, parameters that need to be thought of in this. And so you've already mentioned a few of those, but let's expand on those just a little bit more.
1: So, the, you know, some of the main things that we looked at and thought about here are, are number one, if, if you're using natural service, you have a, a long list of bulls that you can purchase and and the prices, you know, have a wide range. You, you, you can buy a bull that's $2,000 or you can buy a bull that's $200,000, but more than likely that $200,000 bull is not going to be doing natural service. And and so if you think back into the natural service range, you still may be looking at two to $20,000. And so, you know, that's one thought consideration is we have to realize that we would expect a bull that cost us eight, nine, ten thousand dollars to have superior genetics in some form or fashion based off of what we want to do from a marketing standpoint uh to provide more value. So if we're looking at two bulls and one is, is five thousand and one's ten thousand, well, that ten thousand dollar bull has to make up the difference somewhere. And so we look at it from that standpoint. But then when you think about even more superior genetics than than the $10,000 bull, well, we say, well, those access to genetics from a $200,000 bull, those genetics should be better. And, yeah, we all can't afford that $200,000 mm-hmm. bull. So we might be able to afford that semen and the ability to to time AI. Uh, you know, another thing, <clears throat> when, you, when you start getting into artificial insemination, uh, another thought is, well, what is that conception rate going to be? What's that – and and that's that's very important because if you set up the synchronization uh the extra synchronization protocol correctly and and do it correctly, you should have a pretty good outcome from a conception rate standpoint uh if you have a technician that's or person that's doing the breeding that is a proven breeder of animals, but that can still have a you know a range you know you mm-hmm. may have anywhere from forty percent to seventy percent and and then typically you know we would think uh, most of our good breeders would hit 60% or a little better. And and so, you know, that that's another thing we, we have to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing that I would think about is when we have natural service, that, that one bull is all the genetics that we can pull from. When you're thinking about artificial insemination, you know, you can match bulls with specific cows. Now I realize that's not a concern to all producers, but some producers, they have contemporary groups that they want to breed to a certain bull uh, because they know the genetics behind that contemporary group. It may be based off of age, uh, maybe based off of the the cow line that they come through or or the bull line that they come through and so it allows us to to make uh, better mating decisions for either individual cows or groups of females that may be more beneficial to us. You know one of the things that we hear a lot in our area and I think it's pretty common you know just owning and managing bulls Mm -hmm. you you put them out there for 60 to 90 days and maybe you have two breeding seasons and so maybe they're out working for 120 to 180 days a a year but at the same time you had to manage those bulls and so everybody doesn't have, have enough room or enough space to manage the number of bulls they need for the cow herd or they just don't want to do it so that's another thing you know that throws us into this, why should we consider AI to some degree? And probably the biggest thing from a from a value standpoint, uh, and and this goes back to things that have been preached about for years and years, is just the ability to narrow and and tighten up our caving interval for these animals. You know, I know there's a lot of people that use sixty and ninety day natural service breeding seasons, but from the standpoint of you can AI a group of females and typically a lot of those, a lot of their calves will be born within a 10 to 14 day period and when you group a bunch of calves in a 2 week period they typically grow very similarly throughout the time than they're on their dam and because of that uh, you typically can market those animals together uh, whether they be the the steers or the or the or the heifers uh well I guess some people market bulls but we'll say <laughs> yeah. males and females you know, you can actually market those as as groups of animals, which typically bring higher prices than you know animals that are not sold as groups. So, larger the group, the larger, the higher the price, based off of a lot of research that's been done and observation. Uh, so, those are a lot of the main things that people should consider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ability to access more expensive genetics and better genetics, the simple price of different bulls, conception rates, all play into what we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. My guest today is Andrew Griffith. He is an associate professor of agriculture and research economics at the University of Tennessee, focus on livestock economics. And we're talking about today a natural service versus AIing. And I think when we come back, though, we're going to look at some of the numbers because it might make sense for some to do one or the other. And I think the economic side of things is where it's important for us to step back and realize and look at. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about it when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio. You know, big cows come with big feed bills, which is why smart genetic selection can pay off in your cow herd. Did you know Simmental-influenced cows are an average 74 pounds lighter at maturity than Angus-sired counterparts, according to a recent U.S. Meat Animal Research Center study? Now, while Simmental is sized for more efficient gains, 20-year genetic trend lines also show the breed offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. That's a balanced herd built for profit. Sim Genetics giving you more per head, period. Stand strong. Simon And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, your host, as we are joined today by Andrew Griffith. He's an associate professor with the University of Tennessee as we're talking on uh, this time of the year with breeding season coming upon us, natural service and AIing and, and evaluating that. And as he and I talked before we went on air, I had mentioned to him, you know, I, I really try to push thinking on this show in terms of the economics of, of looking at the value of and are we seeing the value. And there's a lot of things, uh, Andrew, you did a great job in the in the first segment talking about some of the benefits that you can see in, in AIing, but at the same time, we also have to look at the, the you know, what, what we're planning and, and how we're planning to go with our herd and looking at it from uh, not only from a long-term standpoint, but also from the economic side, which is, which is going to make a difference in the, in the next 12 months. And so uh, we have to put a lot of this and, and pencil this out together. And Andrew, I want to get now into some of the specific numbers, because you guys in this study did a great job of breaking it out by side, by, by herd Sizes and that was good mainly from the standpoint of really putting a pencil to that of knowing whether or not okay you got this size of a herd it makes sense here or it doesn't make sense here to AI or it makes sense to natural service and and working through those different scopes and I think that was one factor that really people need to consider.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got a different set of resources, and so therefore. Uh, When you think about the resources you have, you have to allocate those resources to their highest value. And and we've looked at these different herd sizes, and and it goes back to, I mentioned something about, you know, the bull battery and how many bulls you need. And in some cases, if we can reduce the number of bulls we need, there can, you know, be a a huge cost savings there. And, And in some cases, we can't reduce the number of bulls we need. And so, the thought of using timed AI or just AI in general, you know, increased cost. And so, you know, there's always a trade-off in some form or fashion. And so each producer that's out there trying to make a decision on natural service versus, you know, using artificial insemination, they're just trying to figure out how to allocate their resources to their highest value. And this publication that we put out, this this uh, Back of the Feed Sack Cotton Paths, you know, it doesn't it doesn't give you the answer of what you should do, but it it provides the things that you need to think about. And so, from our standpoint, number one, you need to know what it costs just to use natural service. And you know, we went through the process uh, of calculating uh, a couple of different price bulls, and and in in our analysis, we used a four thousand dollar bull and a six thousand dollar bull, and uh, that just the annual cost of of carrying those bulls. You know, you have a purchase price and then you have the carrying cost through a year of feed or or whatever, you know, vaccination protocols or whatever it is. And, you know, the $4,000 bull, the total annual cost was going to be a little over $1,600, whereas the $6,000 bull was uh, a little over $2,200. And so, you know, it just gives you an idea of, of what that difference is in carrying cost, just in owning the bull, uh, given those two different price levels. And, and, you know, do the same thing. It's a lot easier to calculate what it costs to to AI an animal because, you know, you can go get the price of all the the GnRH, the and the semen, you know, how much is it going to cost somebody to come breed them and your labor. And so you can put that down. And we had that around uh, nearly $55, which is probably a little different today. And Mm -hmm. it's going to depend on how much you pay for semen. But, you know, those were the key costs that we thought we needed to be looking at to pair that with uh, these different size herds.
0: Mm -hmm. So those different size herds, I thought it was interesting when you started uh, looking at that. And I think one of the points, folks, to remember is the cost per pregnancy when you're looking at this. And and if when you. The factors that I believe are important for us as ranchers, as, as you and I were talking before, is if you're selling on this on the commodity market, which all of us mostly are here in in the commercial side of the business, you need to keep that into perspective. Yeah, we like to be proud of our of our calves, but at the same time, uh, if you're not getting paid for those genetics, then you need to be very cautious about the direction that you're heading and how much you're spending on this pregnancy because you can put a lot of money into pregnancy and not necessarily sell your calves for any more than, than you did before. The size of herds, uh, you broke that out into 30 cows, 75 and 150. And that 150 was kind of the top end because you figure if anybody had that much, it could apply pretty much to any herd size beyond that. The factors you found in that was interesting, kind of work through that.
1: Okay. So in being from Tennessee, we have a lot of small cow herds. And so we, you know, we, we broke it down to this 30 cow herd because that's very typical in our area. And, you know, just using natural service with that $4,000 bull, uh, the cost per pregnancy was about $57. Um, if you if you jumped up to that $6,000 bull, that in, the, the cost per pregnancy increased $20 to, you know, right at $77 per pregnancy. And so you shift that and you say, well, what if we put timed AI in there? Well, so we were assuming one bull could breed 30 cows. And the problem is, is, when we looked at two different uh, conception rates on timed AI, which were 45% conception rate and 60% conception rate, you still need one bull for natural service. So the only thing that the timed AI just increased our cost considerably. So, you know, we nearly, uh, we practically doubled our cost with the $4,000 bull and the $6,000 bull with using the the timed AI paired with the natural service. But when we jump into that 75 and, and 150 type range, well, all of a sudden, we reduce the number of bulls we need with the timed AI. So, you know, if you're if you're at a thirty to one, thirty cows to one bull ratio, you know, a forty-five percent and sixty percent uh, conception rate will reduce the number of bulls we need. You need three natural service bulls with seventy-five cows and five natural service bulls with one hundred and fifty. And so, we do see some some cost structure that reduces the cost to some degree. So, in the seventy-five cow herd the $4000 bull was going to be about $68-69 per pregnancy. Uh the $6000 bull was going to be about $93. Well, if we only had a 45% conception rate with AI, well that increases our cost per pregnancy considerably. But if we if we achieve the 60% conception rate, which is fairly common mm-hmm. if everything is done correctly, you know, it just for the $4000 bull at marginally, we're talking about nine dollars increases cost per pregnancy by nine dollars and whereas with the six thousand dollar bull we actually have a lower uh Mm -hmm. cost per pregnancy where the real savings are seen are are really in in that larger herd size um and and anytime we can reduce number of bulls that we need to put with the cows that's what we're seeing Mm -hmm. so you go to that 150 cow herd and uh very similar to the thirty cow herd with the natural service because we have a you know exactly uh, yeah. one bull to thirty cow ratio there. But if if we're using timed AI and and achieve a sixty percent conception rate, we only increase uh, the cost per pregnancy by twenty dollars for uh, the four thousand dollar bull and uh, about eight dollars for the the six thousand dollar bull. So you can see how as we look at different herd sizes, the ability to just Reduced bull power in natural service can really have benefits from the time day standpoint on what it costs to get a pregnancy. Because those smaller herds, if you can't reduce the number of bulls, then you're still going to have that time day eye is adding a lot of extra cost, mm-hmm. both in material uh, our inputs and labor.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a real quick takeaway that I have in that. Andrew is that and I know guys go through different sizes of their herds from different times you know they might they might have retained more and have more coming to that they're going to be breeding this year some they might be down and I what I pull from that and when we look at these particular numbers first of all the baseline is going to be natural service so if you can't do it if you're looking from a financial standpoint if you cannot do it any cheaper than natural service then you know natural service is the baseline to go at but when you get into these odd herd sizes let's say you have 50 head cows and you're not wanting to buy another bull. This might be an optimal way for a year or so to do AIing because it keeps you. And I think you had an example of your father-in-law doing that as well, that maybe AIing is a time and and you take that opportunity then to, Hey, let's, let's take this opportunity to go and get some superior genetics. Then we can retain these heifers and input into a herd.
1: That's that's exactly right. So you do take yeah you take a take a fifty cow herd or something, and you know uh, one bull is not is it's very unlikely that uh, most bulls are going to cover fifty cows in a sixty day uh, breeding season, and so yeah you jump in there and uh, you know even if you only get fifty percent bred with AI, well the one bull uh, would only have to you know breed twenty five cows and he can get that done natural service, and so you know uh, it's it's also a learning process. You know, that that one time of using AI gives you information. Uh, I I didn't need to go buy another bull, didn't want to go buy another bull, didn't want to have to manage another bull, so I used this AI. And then you go out there and you see what kind of impacts it has on the calves that are produced by the cows that you have. And from that, you can compare, you can literally just compare those calves to the calves from the natural service. Bull, and it's pretty easy to to tell which ones are are belong to who because those those uh, AI calves will be born first in mm-hmm. the calving season, and uh, you know there might be one or two calves that cross over from natural service to uh, the timed AI, and you might not know if it came from that, and let you know unless you did some pregnancy evaluation uh, following the timed AI period. But th- that's a that's a great point that you pull out of that is is it does really help with some some of these herd sizes that are not conducive to a you know a perfect system mm-hmm. say and so you know you take a fifty cow herd and you say well what do I need to do here should I just let the bull run with them year round or <laughs> do I go buy another bull and and keep my Kevin season tight well now you the other option is try out the the AI and and just see. Uh, how that works for you, Mm -hmm. you know, to go back and talking about scaling the the 150 cow herd, you know, that's, that's a scalable number. And, uh, and that's, that, that's why we stopped at 150 cow herd because, you know, you can scale that, to uh, pretty much any number of animals because the key there is just that bull to cow ratio. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. My guest today is Andrew Griffith. He is an associate professor with the University of Tennessee, uh, focusing on livestock economics. And when we come back, we're going to continue as we've kind of went through this whole study that they've done. And when we come back, we're, he and I are just going to visit about some of the key points that we come out of that and how maybe even some of the things today are changing some elements. For example, now we have uh, a little, seeing a lot more embryo bulls out there, full brothers that you can get a hold of, uh, DNA testing and how that's playing into that. We're going to talk about all. Of those kind of factors in in this as we go back and just kind of reanalyze this and and look back through this and pull some topics out of there that we can discuss that will be useful to you in this time of the year where all of us are looking at uh, what we're going to be doing here on a breeding season standpoint we'll get into that when we come back here on the working ranch radio show
3: every year you pick your replacement heifers some become profitable cows others disappoint How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started.
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. My guest today is Andrew Griffith. He's an associate professor in agriculture and research economics with a focus on livestock economics out of the University of Tennessee. And we've been talking today uh, the pros and cons of natural service versus timed AI breeding. And Andrew, as we went through the the study that was uh, that you guys put out here a couple of years ago, you know some key points that I pull out of that uh, a little bit, and I and I want to go through each one of those First, one would be the price of bulls that that's something that when we're looking at this from a financial standpoint that was a key point in this
4: it, de- it
1: definitely was uh, you know if, if you're really paying up for bulls if you're paying big dollars for natural service bulls the more you pay the more likely timed ai or just ai in general may benefit a person from a profitability standpoint Mm-hmm. And and so it was it's it's a very key thing. Um, and, and that's why we looked at the four thousand dollar bull purchase price and the six thousand dollar bull purchase price was because once you start getting up to eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars, uh the price per pregnancy gets really, really high on those natural service bulls and it might be it might make a lot of sense to, to look at an alternative way of breeding some females.
0: Mm-hmm. Another thing that I pulled out of that, and, and again, we're folks were just kind of reviewing some of this a bit, but a, another thing that really stuck out to me was that conception rate number because you gave two analogies of a 40% conception rate or a 60% con- conception rate. And I there's a lot of things when we start talking conception rate, when we, we'd we mentioned that, okay, with, with AIing, there's the ability to have some con- uniformity, some consistency consistency in these calves and the fact that you're going to have a certain amount of them, you know, calving or born in a, in a very, very short window. And that just that in itself and having that volume of calves in that first 20 days of, of calving season can bring some revenue back to us as producers because we have a little bit heavier calves. Um, so I want to go back to that a little bit and we're going to explore this a little bit more, but that conception rate in AI to me is a really big factor because if I have 40% conception rate on AIing, I don't figure that's really that great. And I don't know if the value is there for me in that. And even 60% is scratching the surface sometimes of you really got to weigh the economics. So that part of it really is a big factor as well.
1: It, it, it very much is. So, you know, when you think about uh, uh, 60% of your calf crop hitting the ground, in a two week period or something. And, and we just assumed that 60% hit the ground in the first 30 days
0: mm-hmm.
1: in that 60% AI conception rate. And then we compared that with the 45% and in natural service, you can generally expect about 40% of your, your animals to hit the ground in the first 30 days. And if you're looking at a 90 day calving uh, window and you know, when you get down to that, the thought is is that the earlier born calves should be heavier and They should be because we typically would be looking at, you know, probably two pounds of gain a day on calves. And so if you're born 30 days earlier than uh, your sibling, then at weaning, you should Mm -hmm. be close to 60 pounds heavier. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's very key. And and that that's why I said earlier is, you know, 60 percent is pretty average for uh, most conception rates. And we really undersold from when we're looking at it from the profitability standpoint in this publication, we really undersold uh, AI because we could achieve higher conception rates than sixty percent in a lot of cases, and we we undersold some of the weight gain that these AI calves probably could achieve based off of some of the best genetics that could have been selected, and we and we didn't even account for the heifer retention out of those AI sired uh, heifers uh, that really would contribute to the herd in future years because now you have those better genetics from both the sire and the damn side
0: mm-hmm. yeah and you know I'll, I'll tell you something that i has happened with us uh, on this andrew is my wife's folks that um we were leasing the place from for years they ai'd and had a and and built a tremendous uh, herd of cattle on that consistency was there everything you would expect in an ai'd herd and when they sold all their cows out you know we kind of started over and and so for myself is i saw the value in the AIing in terms of the the quality that you could achieve in there but there was ish other issues. There was labor. I was also looking at, you know, was I going to get paid for the genetics that I was uh, all the time and the effort and the labor that it, and and the genetics that it was being put into these? Was I going to get paid for that? And there was things that then I began to try to figure out. Can how can we improve the pregnancy in that in that first cycle of our cows on a natural service? Because I think when we get when we get into this, one of the factors that's going to put the most money I think in our pockets personally is if we can get more calves born in the first cycle. And we only have a 60 day breed up is all we do. Uh, We put them out for, we put out bulls on July 25th and we pull them out September 25th. So we only do 60 days of breed up. And so with that in mind is there were factors that I tried to do then, how can I improve my, my breed up in that first cycle that would improve weight. And I think there's some things from a natural service standpoint that folks could be looking at. If they really want to try to achieve that, there's some some natural ways to do that. Because to me, as I said before, that conception rate in the first cycle is a big key. And natural service wise, it's a little tougher. But does that make sense as far as from a natural service side, if there's ways that we can improve that pregnancy rate? I mean, I'm trying to achieve 75%, which is where we've been in the last three or four years of cattle uh, calving in the first cycle.
1: Well, that I mean, that is a key. And the The timed AI can cover up some of the mismanagement or failure to manage and to achieve those types of rates that you're talking about through natural service, and and so that's really what some of that AI comes into. But your 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 spot on is the main thing is getting as many cows bred in the first cycle as possible, and you know if you're using a sixty days, you're essentially looking at three cycles for most of your animals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we all know that uh, good nutrition, being in, in the right body condition score is very important for that. Uh making sure the animals are are healthy, that they're you know, they got the right vaccination protocol because we do have things that could cause abortions. And on top of that, you know, another another strategy that, that producers are using, they'll uh put a cedar in these females, uh, you know, pay the ten, eleven dollars to put a cedar in these females and just to get them cycling earlier. Yeah. In case you have some females that, after calving, don't start cycling very quickly, mm-hmm. they'll go through the, just that protocol of getting those animals to cycle quicker, so that they do breed in the first or second cycle that they go through with the the natural service bulls out there. And so, I mean, you are correct. The earlier you get them bred, the heavier the weaning weight's going to be. The more uniform they're going to be if you have keep them tight. Mm-hmm. The main thing is making sure. From that standpoint that you have enough bull power and that he's not having you know, when you think about a sixty day breeding season, you don't want those cows to be able to roam all over the pasture because that bull's gotta he's gotta walk. Mm-hmm. He's gotta walk. I mean, he he's using his eyes, he's using his nose, and those legs and feet are constantly working. And so the tighter you can keep those cows together, the you know, the tighter mm-hmm. and I say tight, I mean physical, physical space tighter. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tighter that caving season will be because he can actually get those cattle covered
0: mm-hmm. that's a good point because that's actually a note i didn't know if we could really get into it but i that was a side note that i had i think there's some management principles that we can do physically whether it's making our our smaller into paddocks that have uh, keep these cattle grouped a little bit tighter together i think that helps in a way and, and I, that's what you were kind of touching on a bit there
1: yeah. It's very important during the breeding season. You know, rotational grazing is a big thing right now. And I see a lot of benefits to it. And, and when it, what it re- when it really helps the most, and like you said, making smaller pastures or paddocks is during that breeding season mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, these bulls are sure, I mean, they are athletes. I mean, when you get down to it, they are athletes. And, uh, we had, to, we had to send them out there in the best condition they can be in to start the season but at the end of the season we still need them in good condition because they were supposed to be breeding the whole time and putting them on a 15 acre pasture with 30 cows uh, makes their job a lot easier than a 50 acre pasture Or for that matter, putting five bulls out with 150 cows that are roaming on 300 acres.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Real quick here, I, I mentioned it before we went to the break the last time. So I just want to just want to get your quick analysis on this. When this study came out, there was embryo bulls. A lot of us can buy full brothers if you want to, uh, if you want to do it that way. Would that change anything? Do you think that changes anything in these numbers, being able to do uh full brother, buying full brothers through embryos?
1: Well, you know, it all depends on what your goals and objectives are. And and you mentioned something, uh, I think in when we were talking on the side uh, about if you get your money, you know, money out of the timed AI and, and this, that, that and the other. And it, it all really comes down to what your marketing goal is. And if your goal is to market it at weaning these certain calves, you know, having very similar genetics in the bulls. and and from natural service if you can have very similar genetics you can expect those calves to grow the same and look the same because that's what the buyer is looking for at the same time you know a lot of the people that that i know from a commercial standpoint that are using artificial insemination they're actually keeping these animals through the feedlot and so they're you know they're trying to Mm -hmm. capture the entire value of purchasing better genetics as opposed to just the birth to 600 pounds or something like that. But having those genetics from ET type brother bulls or full sibs, you know, it it does help keep things more similar
0: Mm
4: -hmm.
1: for the cow herd and the calf crop that comes out of that cow herd. So there are from a marketing standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, Andrew, we're, we're about tied up here on time. And as we go, you know, again, the whole concept of this show and I know of your paper that was put out here by the University of Tennessee was really about just looking at the economics of this. And as we just some final comments from you as as we recap our conversation and this paper.
1: You know, I, I think the main comment is is producers should go read this little short thing and and really to get the ideas from it and just know that this isn't a do this or don't do this. It's a, you need to evaluate the resources you have and allocate those resources to their highest value and figure out if something such as timed AI could benefit you in your operation from a profitability standpoint, because we do have situations where it can be very beneficial and there are other situations where, natural services is the best option for those operations you bet
0: well andrew i appreciate you joining us here today on our program i think we covered a a topic here today that has a lot of applicability to us here in the cattle industry and so I, i thank you for joining us here on the working ranch radio show
1: I appreciate you having me.
0: And again, my guest today has been Andrew Griffith. He's an associate professor of agriculture and research economics for the University of Tennessee. His focus there on livestock economics. And I will be sure to put uh, a link in our podcast description to this white paper so that you can go and look at it for yourself. It, that'll help. I know we went rattled through quite a few numbers here today, and some of those you might have caught, some of those you want to hear back again. And you can either go and download the paper or I can, uh, also listen to the program <laughs> again, uh, you can do that as well. But and I know for some folks, maybe you've already started in the breeding season. Others, you're you're on the outside looking here in here for a couple of weeks. And for those of you like myself, we're a couple of months out from really getting going in our breeding season. But it is something that you might need a year or so to kind of think through. But I think there's a lot of things that we talked about here today that will help you kind of work through some of that. Uh, at the end of the day, my focus here, folks, as I've said before, and I said it a couple times in our show here today, I think it's really important. That as ranchers that we that we take a business perspective into what we're doing that we just don't do things because that's what we've always done or we just do things because uh it's it seems like it it's the thing to do and i think it's always important to have a sharp pencil and a, and a good eye when we're when we're evaluating these kind of things even to something as simple as breeding and i think it's uh, it's the stuff that we covered here today will be very valid as you process this through and make your decisions for your own herd and as uh as andrew was saying really today it wasn't necessarily a writer wrong way in that it's just understanding your resources and putting them to the best value for the economics on your ranch Well, stay with us coming up next meteorologist don day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we head now and take a look at our long-term weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record-keeping should be easy. So now you can tie your visual tag and your EID tag and the genetic data now to one management number with the AllFlex match sets. If you want to find out more, go to their website at allflexusa.com. And joining us now with a look at our long-term weather as he does each and every week is meteorologist Don Day when we start looking into the latter half of May. How does that look as compared to where we were at in the first part of May?
4: Well, what what is interesting about the, the second half of May is, is that I don't see any areas um, that are going to be, uh, let's say, on the far side of the ledger of really cold or on the far side of the ledger really warm. It looks like we're going to go into the second half of May with a fairly typical pattern, which means there is going to be warmer temperatures on average across most of the central and Western areas of the United States. And um, if we do see dry periods, they're not gonna be too long. I do think shower and thunderstorm activity really in many areas from the Corn Belt to the Western High Plains and Rockies will be common. And I do think there could even be um, some late May moisture still possible in the Great Basin states, even parts of California as well. And if that's the case, as we go into the month of June, you know, this is a good thing. What you want in the month of June is uh, some decent soil moisture. If you can carry that over Mm -hmm. from May. And not jump start into summer with anything real hot. And at least at the moment, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I have to tell you, as, as we've talked about here, I do keep pretty good accurate records of fog. And I'm showing June with a lot of fog events. However, I showed April with a lot of fog events. Now, that and I've always told people that's significant weather events. It doesn't necessarily guarantee moisture, but it's a change in the weather pattern. And I'm hoping for June that it's actually going to indicate moisture coming instead of just a change in weather.
4: Right. And sometimes it's not exactly in your neck of the woods where mm-hmm. that that fog forecast will work out. I mean, April uh, brought some tremendous snowstorms, yeah. you know, two or yeah. three of them in the region, but not necessarily right on top of the yeah. areas that had that, that fog <laughs> forecast. So, yeah, it's an indication maybe of, of what's to come down the roads. So we'll see. Um, the long range modeling is hinting that June is going to be. Uh, at least have the potential for weather than average conditions for many areas of the U.S., especially the middle part of the country. So, uh, this pattern change we've had here lately may be an indication that that could certainly be a possibility looking ahead into June.
0: You bet. Well, that's that's good because it's nice to go into July with a little
4: green instead of going into
0: July with brown.
4: Yeah, this you know the the next six weeks is really really critical for a lot of the U.S. Uh, in terms of. Uh, getting that spring moisture so when you get into summer and you have some of those hotter spells they're not so not so hard on everything Mm -hmm. and not so hard on the on the rangelands and not so hard on the end you bet all right
0: well don appreciate the update here on our long-term weather forecast
4: Thank you. And again, that was
0: meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. And from there, you can also find that link to his daily video podcast that I find very valuable myself as I watch it on a regular basis. You can take a look for yourself as he kicks that out every Monday through Friday morning. Our weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. So you can tie your visual tag, EID tag, and your genetic data to one man Management number with the all flex match sets find out more at allflexusa.com well stay with us coming up we'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the working ranch radio show set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with zimpro Avela 4 achieve productive success in your cows with 20 percent increased conception rate and a 16 day tighter calving interval Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. Well, if you missed something here today and you want to go back and listen to it again, our podcast website is workingranchradio.com. You can listen to today's show as well as any previous shows. A thank you to our sponsors today, Allflex, Inherit Select from Zoetis, MLS Tubs, and your remote water monitoring system, Tank Toad. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Be sure to join us next week at the same time, same place. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.